Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. This week, we're going to cover some a uh, couple of important stories from Kentucky's breaking political news. Uh, and then we are very excited to hear uh, from Cherokee elder Janet Quigg uh, and uh, Mike Van Winkle. They're both members, I believe, of the Cherokee tribe. Janet's the founder of the Richmond Pow Wow. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Kentucky's native communities uh, and how this low-profile perspective is kind of organizing to change that and some of the amazing work that they're doing uh, to support their community. So uh, should uh, stick around uh, and hear from Janet and Mike. Uh, we'll uh, then close out with a call to action. It will sound a little bit familiar uh, if you were uh, watching last week's show. Uh, but before we jump into it, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Uh, because we know our state is deeply red. We have a GOP supermajority that uh, remains committed to moving us backwards on LGBTQ rights, weakening the ability of unions to collectively organize for better pay and better working conditions, uh, and with critically important elections coming to voters across our state in November, we have a critical opportunity to uh, turn this Commonwealth around and make sure that we send the message we want a Commonwealth that works for all of us. So join Progress Kentucky, support our campaign to turn our Commonwealth purple, make a donation at our secure Act Blue website uh, and help spread the word that we're tired of the GOP ignoring the uh, needs of regular folks uh, and that we think our Commonwealth is worth fighting for. So uh, let's check in with our co-hosts. Uh, let us know who you are, where you are, what's your protest sign say today. And of course, we want to know what you're protesting today uh, and, um, uh, and put, that, put your protest sign in the chat uh, we can put it on the screen uh, if you are, of course, watching the live stream or the YouTube. Um, and um, maybe we'll read it out loud. Uh, and that way the people who listen to the podcast can know what you're talking about. But uh, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from Childsburg, uh, which it seems like if the city council has its way in Lexington, it will not be the furthest community out next to the growth boundary. So it looks like they're trying to uh, increase the growth boundary, perhaps. So. Uh, at any rate, um, my protest signs to this. I'm going to steal this uh, from uh, from the internet. I think uh, Trump is showing uh, Bed Bath and Beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, so uh, the pictures of the files. Uh, you know, we don't talk about national politics much, but that image really just uh, stuck with me. Uh, all right, uh, let's check in with uh, with Doug. Doug, are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. I'm coming to you from Harrison County, Kentucky, one of the prettiest counties in Kentucky, I seem to think. I had two or three signs, and I finally went with this one. I always try to type it out so I can remember it. But positivity wins over negativity. So let's be positive, and let's shut down the negative. Nice. I like it. Uh, thank you, Doug. All right, and our uh, our third co-host this evening, the lovely and talented Kimberly Cecil Jones. Kimberly, you are muted. Oh, it wouldn't be a great show unless I was <laughs> muted, right? Uh, how's everybody doing? Fantastic. So excited right. to see you. I know, right? I'm still here on the J-O-B, but I uh, just want to drop by here and let you know that I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky at Macy's. This is my office behind me. So uh, my protest sign says today, um, I didn't have one made up. Um, I'm going to use one of Doug's that he didn't, that he didn't use today. Okay, which one? Oh, you're going to like make Doug answer for you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He said he had three. He, he said he had three. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. There he is. Join us. Help us make change. Nice. See, actually, he made that one for me. You know, oh, yeah. I just didn't get a chance to get it from him. Well organized uh, ahead of time, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to go to news of the week because every week in Kentucky, there's some new political stories we have got to share with you. Uh, and this first one comes to you uh, from uh, from Doug. Uh, Doug, what you got? Uh, yes, the KKK made a visit to our state this week. Or are they from Kentucky or North Carolina? 
The flyers identify a group from North Carolina, but based on news reports, I believe this may be the work of a local as the Mount Sterling Police Department has arrested someone. Along with Mount Sterling, reportedly flyers were also handed out in Paris, maybe a week or so earlier. The flyer mentioned a neighborhood watch. It said not to worry because the Klan is awake. Hey, the Klan is woke? How about that? That's something, that's uh, earth-shattering news. On June 7th, there were a couple of people brandishing KKK cards at a pride event in Corbin. Words were exchanged and the KKKers assaulted one of the people attending the event. That resulted in a hate crime charge. The distribution of flyers in Mount Sterling is being met with littering charges, not a hate crime, but apparently littering is what uh, could actually be charged. The second flyer mentioned in uh, all kinds of CRT, bring back God in schools, two gender only policies and some other stuff that I really don't care to repeat. Uh, basically words of hate. I did a little research. The Southern Policy Law Center based in Alabama notes there were 22 hate groups in North Carolina in 2022. And one of the groups that is identified on the uh, flyer as the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan was active in North Carolina. Uh, continuing the same trajectory as years past, the number of active Ku Klux Klan hate groups again declined in 2022. However, the subsequent news coverage they received helped maintain the false perception that the Klan is a dominant white supremacist group in America. KKK activity will likely remain stagnant or continue to decline in 2023. Unfortunately, contemporary white supremacy movements will continue to eclipse the Klan in terms of recruitment, propaganda, events, and overall success. The uh, Southern Poverty, uh, the SPLC, noted that in 2015, KKK had locations uh, in Kentucky, but now there are none in 2022. They also stated in 2022, two of the hate groups uh, operating in Kentucky that are not the Klan are the Proud Boys and the Tea Party of Kentucky. The Tea Party of Kentucky is categorized as a hate group in Kentucky. I want to end this with several Facebook posts that were made on media outlet Facebook pages over the last couple of days. I read about the flyers. It sickens me to think that we have neighbors who are so bigoted and dangerous. I'm ashamed of these Kentuckians. The vigilante attack on our nation's capital has emboldened these disgusting actions. My town was one of the ones that got the flyers, flyers, and it honestly scares me to death. It scares me for my children, it scares me for my children's friends of color, it scares me for the people of color here that I don't even know. It was only a matter of time. Hate groups used to live in the shadows, but for the last few years, with everything that our country fights about, they have been given the green light to surface. Certain very high political leaders, not local, have given credence and a big thumbs up the last few years to them so they truly believe that they no longer have to hide. The last one I will read is from Charles Booker. Hate does not define the people of Kentucky. All across the Commonwealth, there are kind people who show love uplift humanity and resist hate. Racism is very real, but so too is resilient love determined to uproot that hate. I know the challenges are real, but I'll always speak up for the beautiful Kentucky I know and love. We deserve a brighter future and we won't let hate win. I, I could not find any public statements about this issue by the Bashir or Cameron campaigns. I've checked tweets and 
uh, news reports, and I didn't find anything. But Carl's of Truth needed to talk about this issue. This issue, the KKK is an awful organization. But personally, I'm more concerned by those people who blindly follow Trump, including Daniel Cameron and many other Republican politicians. A quick reminder, you must vote in this upcoming election. Back to you, Aaron. You have lost. Oh, always. Yeah, I do think it's uh, you know, incredibly telling that the KKK flyers are distributed you know, in, in places they thought they could find support, right? They didn't do it in downtown, uh, you know, Louisville or the West End of Louisville. They did it in uh, Paris. They did it in, I think, also Winchester. I heard reports that they were in Winchester as well, uh, Lawrenceburg, uh, you know, and I'm glad that it seemed like the, the response was universal, uh, that, this, that these were, you know, just trash. And uh, But it felt like it took a minute for the, for the police to to get their act together and, and say anything useful about it. But I don't know. It's, it's just, yeah. Folks who've been in the shadows are emboldened. Right. I don't know. We had a very, uh, just a, an energized conversation last week about racism and about who's propagating it. Uh, but yeah, I, I know that, you know, this is something that we're just, we're confronted with it. We can't, it's, we can't look away. We've got to deal with it. We've got to address it. We shouldn't give power to the KKK, right? But like the fact that they're taking it on their own, you know, we need to push back against it as as, as just rigorously as possible. I don't know, Kimberly, what, what have you got to say about this one? Um, so many things that I could say is like they don't always use flyers, right? And there's a lot of white supremacists here in Louisville, Kentucky, as well as Lexington and all over this state. This is one of the most racist states in America. And would I be scared? No, no, because there's more that goes on with white supremacy other than a brochure. I, I believe a few years ago that happened in New Orleans or somewhere in Louisiana, they were getting these letters and brochures, things of this nature. But I, some of us, we live it every day, every day. We live it on our jobs. We live it in certain organizations. We live this almost every day. Because when you're talking about the Ku Klux Klan, I guess like their leader, Donald Trump said, you know, there's very good people on each side. No, it is not and it never has been. Um, now they've traded in their hoods <laughs> and burning crosses for tiki torches and khakis and a polo shirt. So you, you don't know who's who, what's what, but they do feel empowered, very, very much empowered since their leader was so boisterous and obnoxious in his display of discrimination towards those that were disabled, those of color. And let us not forget how he talked about Haiti and Africa. You know, they were bleep whole countries. And I wish I had the opportunity to tell him that Africa is one of the most richest continents, excuse me, richest countries in the world although they live at a poverty level that we as Americans can't even um, attest to, but robbing and stealing from other uh, countries of color, robbing and stealing from the citizens of this country is still white supremacy. And as far as I know, they might as well just put the hood back on because it doesn't matter anymore. We know who you are. We know who you are. We know where you are. And guess what? We don't care. <laughs> we just don't care anymore. And I noticed, Doug, that you said something about is the KKK woke? Oh, heck no. They could never be woke. But I tell you what, this black woman right here is too woke for the okie doke. Back to you, Erin. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
thank you, Kimberly, for your uh, for your views on that story. I also wanted to point out there's a kind of, I think, a highly related story that I just uh, threw in the chat there. The Department of Justice actually kind of reached a, a consent decree with uh, Madison County Schools because their kids, black kids, kids of color, were being uh, taunted with the Confederate flag. There was race, you know, just kids were confronted with racism and the, the way the school uh, responded was wholly inadequate. Uh, and so the Department of Justice actually had to get involved, which now has you know inspired CBS News to cover the story. Uh, but, you know, just so it goes to show like, you know, the, those Klan flyers don't just come from nowhere. And the idea that they were brought in from out of state is a little outrageous, right? So, uh, you know, we've got a homegrown uh, racist for sure. Uh, but at any rate, I just wanted to uh, point out that I, th I think those two stories are very much related, uh, as well as the, you know, the, the, the pride event that, uh, you know, a guy with a gun and a KKK card felt uh, compelled to stop at, you know, these folks are emboldened, uh, and we have got to push back on it wherever we possibly can. And if, you know, if Dan Cameron is unwilling to call it out, you know, then, you know, maybe, uh, Kimberly's comments fit, you know, uh, as the top cop. You know what else though, Aaron? You know what else? Uh, bringing that up about the Confederate flag. You know, I know, our viewers and listeners know that uh, that represents the antebellum South <laughs> before the Civil War. Okay? That in itself is symbolic of the hideous, tragic, traumatizing past of those that were brought here against their will. But guess what? There's something else to that. Now, a lot of people are feeling like the American flag. When I see the American flag, I see them going up the Capitol, crawling on the walls and everything, carrying American flags like they were little roaches going up the wall. So we have to collectively do something to get people back on the same page of really truly loving our country again. And you, you not loving your country as much as you can, then you don't have big voter turnout. So let me just say this to our listeners and our viewers that I love America, I've been a lot of places and I still would choose America. Good, yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that, I think I've said this before, I think that, you know, the American flag is absolutely worth fighting for. Uh, I, you know, it doesn't stand for, you know, January 6th, but yeah, look at the images. You know, they had Trump flags, they had Confederate flags, they had Nazi flags, but what flag did they have the most of in that crowd, it was the American flag. Uh, and so, you know, like patriotism should not reflect, you know, just some harsh racist view of what, you know, taking America back to when it was great, which of course America wasn't great for a whole hell of a lot of people uh, when they were, you know, when they're, what they're aiming for, right? Uh, they, you know, it's a white supremacy thing for sure, but I don't know. Uh, we have another story I wanted to get to, but Doug, any thoughts you wanted to get, uh, get, uh, get at? Uh, yeah, I want to uh, jump in on a couple of things. I, I thought maybe somebody might ask, where were the uh, KKK locations in Kentucky in 2015? Uh, one of them I knew about in Dawson Springs, Kentucky. Uh, that's in Hopkins County. That's the county where I grew up. Uh, they have a they had a big compound close or outside of Dawson Springs. Uh, Andy Bashir's hometown called the Imperial Clans of the American Knights of the KKK. And apparently there was a separate group there called the Loyal White Knights of the KKK. In Georgetown, there was a, uh, I guess, a part of the Trinity White Knights of the KKK. And then in Frankfurt, there was a group called the Original Knight Riders Knights of the KKK, but apparently all of those are no more, or they've gone underground, or they're just, they're not being recognized. Uh, and, and I do want to make another comment about 
the flyer uh, that was found, as Aaron mentioned, in Winchester also, Paris and Mount Sterling. Uh, it said, Neighborhood Watch, you can sleep sound tonight. The Klan is awake. And I was riffing on that, saying that they were woke. If you're we awake, didn't really think they were woke. Oh, I didn't really think they were woke. But <laughs> I, know, knew that. I was riffing off of that. So just wanted to make that clarification. All right. Dougie Fresh, I don't think anybody thought that you thought that they were woke. Okay? I don't think anybody. <laughs> so Sandy likes to point out there is a problem. No one agrees with what the country really is. So if you're, you know, if you're claiming that you're you're supporting our country, you're a patriotic supporter of our country, what's the country? Well, you know, it's, I think the Constitution's a pretty good uh, representation of what our country stands for. You know, so I'm all in for, you know, the Bill of Rights. I think those are like all great, great things we should all be supporting. And, you know, the fact that we, um, I don't know, uh, I, I, I will riff on this later, uh, but I do, because we have amazing guests I want to get to uh, and a story I want to get through. Uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I did want to just point out that the LGBTQ plus piece was, you know, I think front and center uh, in that, uh, that KKK uh, flyer, uh, obviously, that's very much related to it. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, Senator Max Wise is a member of the KKK, the guy who like led the charge to get SB 150 uh, passed. Of course, SB 150 is the with omnibus, horrible, don't say gay, anti-trans bathroom, anti-trans healthcare, uh, just horrible, horrible piece of legislation. But I will say this about Max Wise: I don't know that his last name is highly appropriate. <laughs> Because the, government, the Kentucky uh, Education Cabinet uh, looked at SB 150, their lawyers, uh, their policy experts, actually read the bill line by line. Uh, and it turns out that uh, conjunction, junction, what's your function? It, uh, they did not do a very good job of actually crafting the bill. Uh, they delineated a whole set of things that they wanted to outlaw. Uh, but they used, instead of an and, they used an or. <laughs> so this is a story that comes to us. Uh, the Courier-Journal's got a good write-up. Olivia Krauth, who's just a fantastic reporter, uh, just pointing out that, you know, that or really changes what the law means. And that's what the lawyers say. That's what, you know, uh, policy experts say. And it lets, you know, schools choose, right? So uh, they, uh, you can either... Uh, Prohibit all mention of gender identity and sexual orientation across all grades or wait to discuss human sexuality until sixth grade. Those are the kind of the, the options that the, the bill delineates uh, unintentionally, I'm sure. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that they'll try to fix it in the next session. But I do think it's it's just a very clear indication that those folks are not ready for prime time with their uh, with their anti-LGBTQ hate. And, you know, a nice little uh, celebration during Pride Month is that like the uh, the. The opposition, although powerful, uh, not necessarily uh, that competent. Uh, so, uh, any thoughts about that one? Uh, there, you know, there's an old saying, haste makes waste. And what they did to SB 150 right at the, the very last minute in an effort to get everything passed and uh, pass in both chambers and get it to the governor. So the governor, they knew the governor was going to veto it. So they had to get it to him uh, during the uh, period of time in which the legislature would be able to uh, override the veto, which they did. And um, as I said, haste, haste makes waste. And, and they do that all the time. You know, they'll pass a bill in one session and somebody will, will mess up or somebody will, I don't know, get in somebody's pocket, whatever. And they'll come back and they'll change the law. And that's what they'll try to do with, uh, with this bill. Uh, hopefully, though, by the time they come back to try to change it, it'll be thrown out uh, because of a court case, right? ACLU is also suing over this bill. I think there's others who would like to sue uh, over it as well. But, yeah, it's clearly it's a mess. And just a reminder that we still have a lot of work to do here. Uh, Kimberly, anything you want to add? Um, I would just like to add this, that um, years ago, there was a preacher that came to Louisville from Texas. And one of the things that he said to me, and I talked with him, 
you know, numerous of times once I had met him. And he told me, he said, here in Kentucky, people hide behind their religion. And I didn't really quite understand it years and years and years ago, but I think I understand it now. And what that totally means is to be mean and spiteful and to hurt and do harm. They say, this is what the Bible says. I think that they have read it completely wrong. Um, now I do understand. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? <laughs> what I'm saying that these folks, they hide behind religion. They say in the name of Christ, we are doing this when Christ hasn't told them to do anything. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I think there's a, I think there's a lot in the Bible <laughs> and a lot of it. I think, isn't there a school district uh, that's, you know, banning the Bible because they opened up the, uh, the opportunity to ban books uh, and they're like, Oh, well, we clearly got to get rid of this one because it's full of murder and full of horrible behavior. And yeah. So yeah, it's a, the Bible is a thick tome with a lot of conflicting uh, guidance. So cherry picking is, is how a lot of, you know, these kind of more conservative evangelical folks, I think find a, 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 a a cover for their for their hatred, right? But it does seem like Jesus was pretty clear on most of that stuff. Like, you know, like yeah, if you look at the things that he said, uh, it didn't seem like he was encouraging us to hate anyone, right? So, no, so that's why they hide. And another thing that I know, and we, you know, you guys can move on. But another thing that I notice is that a lot of lots of times, I'm going to say lots of times these particular individuals are dealing with uh, conflicting or so-called sexual uh, identification themselves. Um, I think people um, that are just lacking the compassion and the care for another, another human being is really sent by hell. That's just how I think about it. All right, compassion. That's what uh, that's what we need more of in this Commonwealth. I will say, I completely concur on the compassion front. Uh, and um, let's now <laughs> move on to our uh, to our guests. Very excited to have a couple of guests joining us uh, for this episode. Uh, and um, we've got um, Elder Janet Quigg. Uh, and Mike Van Winkle, who I believe are both members of the Cherokee Nation, and they're going to join us to talk a bit about the Richmond powwow uh, and kind of native uh, community concerns uh, here in Kentucky. Uh, so, uh, Mike and Janet, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. Uh, doing great. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us. Uh, so, I guess let's start with what is the Richmond powwow? So, Janet, I understand you are a founder of the powwow. Uh, what is it? When is it? And uh, as a non-Native member, am I welcome to come? Absolutely. Uh, the powwow is a celebration of uh, Native American culture. Uh, basically, um, it began in 1994 as a culture fest in the international office at EKU from a professor named Neil Wright. I happen to be an alumni of EKU as well, and that's where it started. Now we are on our 29th year, so I think we're doing something right. <laughs> Maybe I have learned just a little bit since then. Well, you're an elder, so clearly that you know you've, there's some wisdom I think uh, recognized in that. So almost your 30th year, so that's really exciting. Uh, what, you know, what does it consist of and uh, what, what should folks uh, kind of expect okay. when they show up? A powwow is dancing. Native Americans are dancing. We have a drum group that comes and they play the drum. The dancing is in a circle because everything that Native Americans do is in a circle. Um, basically, we'll have Native American food and Native American crafts to sell. And singing. and singing, sorry, and singing. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, Friday is school day, 
and we we're the only powwow in Kentucky that still has a school day and we send out school day letters of invitation to different to schools all over Kentucky trying to get them to come so we can educate them on beadwork uh, tomahawk throwing uh, um, teepee crafts putting up a teepee or whatever there's so many things that they can learn from last year we had um, Cherokee marbles and that was the first so it's just a learning experience for children and adults as well and basically our um, our um, statement is we we try to educate the public and especially the children about Native American culture and if we do that then we keep this culture alive awesome and when is it September the 22nd through the 24th awesome and it is uh, it's in Richmond Battlefield Park there yes uh, well, that's fantastic, and I, uh, I'll, you know, I'm just going to be perfectly honest because we are the kernels of truth, so we don't like to lie on this show. I'd like to acknowledge I was not really aware of it, uh, and, but you know, I'm, I'm really glad that I've heard about it, and glad that we can share, uh, share the news of the event with our listeners, and we've got enough time so folks can make their travel arrangements, they can make their plans, hold the weekend, uh, and come check it out. Uh, so tell me, you know, I, I've, I'm not a Kentucky native. I've been here for, you know, a handful of years. Uh, but, you know, I haven't heard a lot about the Native community in Kentucky. I don't think I've seen, you know, uh, reservations on the map or, you know, or anything. What, you know, kind of what is the, how would you characterize the, the Native uh, community uh, in Kentucky? Uh, what tribes are active and, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, I, I guess, where, is it, where are you at now? There are a lot of tribes in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of po- population of Native Americans. Uh, they're uh, basically they're uh, we're not full bloods by any means, but we have the ancestry, and there's there's we're just hundreds of us all over, and I don't know. It's Cherokee, uh, Shawnee, Wyandotte, Chicka, Chickasaw, Miami, <laughs> Miami, and. Maybe Seminole at one time. Yeah, Seminole's up here as well. There's a lot of it. Go ahead. But the, the bigger thing is, is it, when we when you sent me the email earlier, you, you, you mentioned a book. And some of the lies that were actually, <clears throat> actually told about Kentucky being the happy hunting ground. Native Americans have been here for almost 200,000 years. Think about that for a second. We have actually locations here in Madison County where there's native burial mounds. Okay, we've had archaeologists go down there and inspect them. They're saying 150 to 200,000 years. But yeah, mind blow. But here's the biggest question that I have These people built mounds that were 40 foot wide at their base, 60 feet high. But there wasn't any indigenous population for the state of Kentucky. You don't build that kind of structure with a basket for a war party member. Yeah. That's to be somebody of very high standing in the, in the, in the tribe. Right. And, you know, I've even had conversations. It's kind of funny when I call Frankfurt, one of the conversations that I had was actually kind of a funny thing. I asked the lady, I said, well, how long do you have to be in Kentucky before you're considered indigenous to the place? Well, it doesn't work that way. I said, well, is it 25 years, 50 years, 100 years? What's the right number? She said, well, you have to be here, you know, for a long time. I said, well, what about if you were here before there was a Kentucky, like, say, the the outpost of Berea in the Commonwealth of Virginia? If my people were here then, would, would I be indigenous then? Well, sure. I said, well, come on down to Berea. I'd like to take you to my fourth great grandmother's grave. Her name was Hester Littleflower Family. And her children are buried. Their children are buried. Their children are buried. My grandfather's buried. And my stepmom is buried all in the same plot. So I've got 300 years worth of history in the state of Kentucky. So if there's if there's anybody that's indigenous, I guess it would be the Van Winkles because we were the people that settled Berea. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's a that's a very good point, Mike. Uh, and I think the burial mounds makes an in, important point as well. Obviously, this is not 
something you do on a hunt uh, on a on a hunting party. You don't uh, build right. You don't build you don't build huge structures. I mean, and if you go, and I'm sure like Doug lives over in Harrison County. There is I can't think of a field that's ever been turned over in Harrison County that you don't find an arrowhead in. Now that's probably straight. And you can do the same thing in Jefferson County and just about any other county in the state of Kentucky. We're not talking about one or two at a time. We're talking about if the field has been turned, you can literally go out there and find a dozen or more in just a single field. Well, what does that tell you? There were a lot of indigenous people here. We always have been here. Okay. And, and I think that's the biggest thing. And, and one of the things is Janet is the pre, well, one of the creators of the powwow. I'm more the political advocate arm. Uh, I deal in the political realm a lot more than she does because I look at the injustices of what is happening to my fellow Native Americans. Okay. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, with the exception of Native American, you have a box to check. You know what Janet and I have to check? Other. Huh. Yeah. That's well, that make you biracial, but but other than that, we get other. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So, uh, so would you, how would you characterize the kind of state of Kentucky and it's kind of what it does to recognize uh, it, Native? It doesn't at, yeah. at all. And the, and the bigger sad part about that is, you know, this isn't just a Kentucky problem, okay? These lies were told all the way from the Trail of Tears, okay? That, you know, well, the Native Americans, they, they didn't really live here in Kentucky, but if you look at Ohio, they celebrate the Miami Indians. You go to Tennessee, you can't throw a rock without hitting a sign that says something Native American. So there was a swath between Ohio and Tennessee. No natives lived in, ever. It's where all the dragons were, and the dragons ate the Native Americans, right? It was just like nothing, exactly. nothing going I mean, on it's, there. It's like, shockingly. Yeah. And, you know, there were Shawnee here. There were Cherokee here. We were all here. We've always been here. But the, but the issue is, is we don't have a seat at the table. Okay, I've actually stood before House members and I said, do I look like a figment of your imagination? And, you know, they just stand there and look at me. I'm a pretty big guy, I'm six foot tall, almost 300 pounds. So, you know, I think that, you know, not only are we looking for recognition and the biggest question you get from that radicalized all right side is, oh, you're wanting reparations. You're what I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for you to recognize the Native Americans that are here, indigenous to Kentucky, that's it. Then, And that should not be that hard to do. Yeah. If you go on to Google, you can Google my last name, just type in Little Flower Van Winkle. It's it's not even hard. It will tell you when she lived. And it, it's so sad that- Janet, I think you had something you wanted to add in. <laughs> I was on the Native American Heritage Commission. Um, Governor Patton appointed me there in 2000. We've been fighting this battle on, on it's an ongoing battle. We went to Frankfurt and we, we tried to uh, establish, I think, a definition of what a Native American was. And I remember all of us sitting there and we were so excited. You know, we're finally going to get a seat at the table. They're going to at least recognize but you know what we we found there were people that were doing this while we were talking and trying to say we don't want a casino we don't have we're not a we're not a reservation all we want is to be hey janet quigg is a native american mike van Winkle is part we're part native american our ancestors went on these trail of tears. I've been all over the state of, I've been all over the United States. Since I've done this powwow, I have slept in a Hogan and Monument Valley on Butte Mesa. I've been with Native Americans who could not even speak English. I've danced with the Klingits in Alaska. I have had an education of a lifetime, but still, we have no recognition, no recognition in the state of Kentucky, and it's so sad. Well, uh, 
Uh, I'm going to throw it to Doug to ask the next question, uh, but I could, I could, I think this is fascinating and, and you know, sorry that you're not getting uh, any recognition out of our Commonwealth. Cause that does seem like that's not terribly compassionate. I thought that's well, what we, we get recognition in a way. I mean, our local, our local uh, mayor, I mean, he writes proclamations. Uh, we, I, I did a powwow in uh, Prestonsburg for four years. The mayor there was, Oh, he was just wonderful. Uh, Les Stapleton was wonderful. He was so uh, accommodating to us. He wrote a proclamation for Native American Day. We're recognized, but not to the extent that I think we could be. Gotcha. Doug, you have a question for Jan? Uh, yeah, I just want to go back to one thing that you uh, you led off with, talking about um, doing everything in a circle. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, um, I think a lot of us need to be doing that because when you're in a circle, you're all inclusive. Yes. And, you know, we we are so torn apart. I work for a CPA firm and I was in charge of, of helping to set up um, the meetings and they always wanted a, a square with tables. And they sat on the outside of the tables and we were having some problems and we had a uh, uh, hired a person to come in to try to help us get through those things. And the first thing he wanted to do was put everybody in chairs in a circle. He didn't want barriers in between them. And I said, oh, that's not going to work. And he said, well, that's the way it has to be. And that's what we did. Uh, it didn't help, but you know, it's it's a good thing, I, I think, to, to be in a circle and include everybody rather than not include people that, that you don't that you don't agree right. with. We actually the Cherokees actually have a, a talking talking stick. I actually have one. And when you're in a circle, no one is above or below another person. We're all equal sitting here and we all have our chance to give our opinions and i think that's so lacking in today's world yeah i would agree with that uh, there's been some attention paid to missing indigenous women and girls disappearing from reservations and not being found or sought by authorities there's a new short time or showtime documentary short series murder in bighorn that yes. points to a much needed spotlight on the issue. Um, I, I don't visualize that as happening in Kentucky, but what is your understanding of what is going on and what needs to happen? Well, there's a couple, two or three different parts to this, okay? Primarily, these young women are, and girls are being taken from the local reservations out in the Western states. The problem is these reservation police forces are usually very, very small undermanned, underfunded, and they don't have the resources to put forth a huge manhunt. Okay? And the MO is too similar, and a lot of Native Americans, including myself, think this may be the act of a serial killer. Unfortunately, because it's reservation-related, you have to bring in the federal government for this, and there's a whole lot of red tape that has to happen before even the local or the state-level police forces can even engage into the process. So one initiative that I've been aware of for the last few days, and I've been trying to do a little bit more research before this, is that a lot of the reservation, especially the Lakota, the Cherokee, and I think the Diné, are, are pushing for the initiative of what's called the red dress. It's exactly the same as Amber Alert or Golden Alert. It gives people instant access to information and hopefully that will help save some of these lives for these young ladies. And if I might add this too, most of the time, and it's sad, it's, I, I even hate to say it, but it's sad because most of the time the perpetrator is, is a white person and you can't prosecute a white person on a reservation. So therefore you get away with murder rape and all kinds of things and that's been my take on it 
So it's an eye-opening situation, and it's very, very critical. Uh, well, yeah, definitely seems like I'm glad that the, you know, the Showtime documentary is out, getting some more attention. That's clearly an indication of you know some some awareness, but you know hopefully it'll amplify it greatly and will you know increase the positive pressure to to get some answers and, and find out what's happening there. Uh, well, Mike and Janet, any final thoughts you wanna you wanna share with uh, our viewers about the powwow or about you know the work you are you guys are doing for kind of recognition of uh, Native American contributions in uh, in, in Kentucky? Well, well, the first thing is I want to invite everybody to come out. I want to say hello to people, the young kids in the schools. If you've got questions or you think you may have some Native American heritage, come find any of us that work at the powwow. We'll be more than happy to try to help you find your path. And that's actually happened to me when I ran for state rep in 2020. That's how I found out. And then we made 40% Cherokee. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, no one talks about that as one of the benefits of running for office, but you know, you're scrutinizing your. Well, I mean, uh, there's a good thing. There's a lot of lies said, but you know, but that was one of the positives that I got. <laughs> All right. So, September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at Battlefield Park uh, yes. in Richmond. Obviously, it's right there in the name. It's the Richmond Pow Wow. Thank you both for, for sharing your experiences with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you both for sharing your information uh, and definitely put that on the, the to do list for that weekend. Thanks, guys. All right. Can I say uh, one more thing? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're stepping out of our comfort zone. We've done the powwow for 29 years, and it's still going, and we'll continue to. And we have a lot of people come from all over the United States to the powwow. We have Apache, Lakota, um, uh, Osage. I mean, we have a lot of Native Americans. So come out and see them. But we're also uh, doing a, con a benefit concert on July the 22nd at the um, Pamela Miller Downtown Arts Center. I'm, we're teaming up with Palmer uh, Tolly and her husband, Paul uh, Osborne. They're jazz um, concertist, I think is mm -hmm. the word. Uh, we're doing this for... Um, for uh, children and elders on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And we're oh, yeah. excited, excited to do this. And we're not, we're stepping over uh, a little bit, but we're excited about this as well. And we hope people come out and check this out as well. All right, that's July, sorry, one more time, July 21st? July 22nd at seven o'clock. Uh, tickets are 12, uh, tickets are $25. And it's it's a Metropolitan Contemporary Jazz Orchestra. Awesome. So we're going uh, uptown with this. Will they be in a circle? I hope they're going to be in a circle. Yes. Um. <laughs> you know, our hearts are always in it. They're, we're always trying to do what we can for Native Americans all over all over the United States, especially in Kentucky with our little powwow and this concert. But we're benefiting a lot of people when they when the vendors come and sell their wares we're benefiting them they make they make their dream catchers their uh their necklaces or whatever and they're they're proud of their heritage and we're helping them that's wonderful so, well thank you so much we really do appreciate uh, all the information and the organizing you guys do and uh and we'll check out the powwow so uh, all right, so I think we're going to move on now. We've got our kind of call to action, uh, really an important one. This is actually, if you remember last week's episode, or if you missed last week's episode, how dare you? Uh, but uh, if you need more information uh, about how Kentucky is lagging on solar and wind development, we've got uh, there's a new story uh, from the, uh, the, of course, the the Kentucky Lantern, which does such a good job of covering uh, covering this type of information. Uh, but uh, please do, uh, if, you, if you need more information about uh, how the, the PSC is, uh, you know, needs to take action to urge more solar and wind development in Kentucky, uh, we had last week the Kentucky Conservation Committee's uh, Lane Boldman, uh, who gave us the lowdown on that. Uh, so uh, do check that out, uh, but take action. Uh, and, you, you know, this is not just a form letter. They want you to kind of write your own uh, reasons for asking for uh, you know more solar and wind. If you guys you know hadn't heard, 
We are dead last in the United States in terms of solar and wind energy uh, deployment. Uh, and that's got to change. Uh, and right now the PSC, I think, is uh, or uh, KU uh, is uh, considering closing down a couple of coal fired, older coal fired power units. But they want to transition to natural gas uh, without significant build out of solar, even though solar is actually cheaper uh, per kilowatt hour right now. Uh, new solar is cheaper than uh, existing coal. Uh, and it's uh, time to move in that direction. So uh, the, the link the link there is in the chat. Please do click through uh, and add your voice to the uh, Kentuckian for Energy Democracy. So, uh, all right, Doug, can you want to close us out? Sure. Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State and organized as a 501c4. We are affiliated with the individual project the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, commonly referred to as CAVE, and are also proud members of the Forward Kentucky Network. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Make sure to join us next week, where we'll be joined by a great guest. You can count on that. Pro uh, production of episode 117 was by Annabelle Nagel. Thanks, Annabelle. You always do a great job. And thank you, Nate, for the theme songs. You can find more information and music at natosongs.com. If you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch shows and see our source links on Facebook. Our audio podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Logo and some graphic content provided by Couchfire Media. More information can be found at couch, couchfiremedia.com. Join us next week for an informative meeting. See you next week. <laughs>